Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. I want to tell you a story. All you have to do is listen. Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in. From Los Angeles, California, Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. Hey, how you been? My name is Trevor, and on behalf of myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to your Boo Crew Podcast. This is episode 414. We're going to cut right to it. We invite you to spend some time with us and the Tremendously cool actor, Lily Sullivan, star of Evil Dead Rise, Dark Place, and a bunch of other awesome projects. She's got a new one out of time of release this week, February 16th, called Monolith. Lily stops by to talk all about the film and its unique challenges that were right up there with the insanity of her experience with the Deadites, which she'll also walk you through. Every movie she does is so vastly different and fun, and she demonstrates her fearlessness in all of them. This is a celebration of that, as she walks into the role of a podcaster who stumbles on to a gripping mystery. The Boot Crew Podcast, episode 414 with Lily Sullivan, is now slaying. Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is one of the coolest and most fearless storytellers in cinema. While still in high school, she self-taped an audition on her laptop and rightfully earned a spot in her debut feature film alongside Tony Collette and PJ Hogan's Mental, getting her a nod for best performance by a young actor right out of the gate. Tony herself saying she was insane to work with, having a presence that fills every crevice of the room every time she walks in. A guest role in the nine-time award-winning TV series Rake was next on her journey, followed by NBC's Camp, all while still in school. She's been an unstoppable force ever since with an absolutely bonkers resume of not only fantastic projects but extraordinarily unique ones from galore's impressive coming-of-age story to the comedy sucker the mystery drama picnic at hanging rock and the sweet romance of netflix's i met a girl and more in 2023 she gave us a new icon in the latest chapter of the beloved evil dead series bringing to life beth in evil dead rise she delivered an unforgettable performance with grueling physicality and relentless strength that was instrumental and making the film a tremendous smash and through all her work gave us all a new hero. Needless to say, we are elated that she is back with another banger. It follows a disgraced journalist turned podcaster who uncovers a bone-chilling conspiracy at the heart of a disturbing artifact, Monolith. 
is receiving well-deserved rave reviews all over the place, including from its hot ticket screenings at the likes of South by Southwest and Sitkiss. And we are so excited for you to experience it in theaters and on digital February 16th. It's an honor to welcome its star, Lily Sullivan. Yeah. Oh my God. Whenever I like don't think I'm enough and hate myself and deal with self loathing, I just need that on record, please. Can you please? You got it. You got it. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us. It's awesome to meet you. We're huge fans. Congrats on Monolith. Uh, First of all, right off the bat, when it comes to films and TV shows exploring some of those darker sides of things. Where do thrillers and horror sci-fi sit with you personally as a viewer yourself? Are you a fan of these kind of movies? Oh my God, such a fan. Like, don't get me wrong, the sweet little period drama or a little rom-com here and there to keep you sane and pay the bills, but goddamn, like entering (laughs) sci-fi, horror, and the incredible collaboration that it takes to make it and pulling off gags where you're just like, how is this a job? But then also to see the other side, because I'm such an avid fan and sci-fi lover to like actually try to tell stories and scare people. Um, is just so thrilling. I'm all about it. I'm an adrenaline junkie. So this genre, these genres are just so important to me. Going back to the very beginning, like when you're, when you're a young kid, what is the earliest memory that you have of experiencing or or being affected by something scary, whether TV or movie? Um, definitely. I mean, actually I was just talking about this before. It was like Carrie, like Mm. my mom, Carrie, like Stephen King, obviously. And then like sleepy hollow was another one. My mom used to always just take me to the cinema cinema far too young like wasn't gonna get a babysitter so she'd just like take me in there and just pull my beanie down and like yeah it was yeah probably probably those films and then like love as well like when i was a teenager like the descent so good dude so so good good. yeah that's an amazing one i think that's why even like even dead it was like the manifestation of just like when what is it sarah the lead character at the end of the film just like covered in blood full primal i was like what i get to do that i get to be covered in blood my teenage self is just like (laughs) or in a shotgun stop it when you started to first kind of dip your toe into horror as a performer Going back to things like 2019's anthology film, Dark Place, for instance, do you remember what that was like or what performance elements that you find were maybe unlocked or maybe even surprised you about yourself in telling stories in that genre? Oh, I mean, yeah, Dark Place was like, and and um, yeah, and I also did this short film called Killer Native, which was wild, but comedy, like I just fell in love with the idea of terrifying people but also making them laugh at the same time is one of the most magical sensations but yeah i mean one thing i learned especially from doing evil dead that now will just like i think follow through with every job no matter if it's um in the horror world or sci-fi world and like adrenaline fear-based world that you're creating it's just like treating it like dancing like instead of like oh and the character's going through this and this happened yesterday and then this is the mo-, you know instead it's just like carbonating energy and, and, and entering a character through like nervous system. You're like, how are they breathing right now? Or how are they? And also to survive an evil dead film and even monolith as well, which was just like sitting in that really like uh, kind of energetic uh, carbonated fear, like anxiety, sitting in anxiety for so long, you can't do it intellectually. So it just ended up becoming like more like dancing. I learned acting wise, which was really awesome. And embarrassing yourself. So you just do big body movements and then you can like emulate fear because you're like, 
I don't have fear now because I'm humiliated and that's okay. <laughs> With, I was going to ask about the timeline. So Rise wrapped in like October 2021, like late October. What was the timeline for you between that and Monolith? Did you already know that your that Monolith was next on deck? Were you preparing for that while finishing Evil Dead Rise? Or was, it, was there a good break in between? No, there's a little bit of a break. And then, because then there was still like COVID world. So there was yeah. a few productions going at that point and then like in you know monolith was definitely like a it burst from the world of COVID being able to have a, stri- a strip back set small crew um and isolating all together and obviously a small cast as well <laughs> a small cast of one uh but yeah that was like a little bit after but i always saw monolith as like this like palette cleanser it was like okay uh, evil dead is so big it's full bodied it's full expression you can't push further boundaries of like ridiculousness and physicalization of horror and gags and then to go to monolith which was just all words you know more than just come get some you know it was like now this is all wordy listening introspectively passive like pending doom so it was like pending doom exterior still one location though as well though actually and shot in chronological order both films and both descending into madness yeah yeah both 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 having various levels of that extremity you're talking about in, in totally yeah. different unique ways is very cool before yeah. before we start going down even further down the monolith path just rewinding back to evil dead rise a little bit and uh maybe just addressing i want to address a moment or two from rise that changed us as viewers forever things that we haven't seen before you go through you mentioned that t- a ton of blood and chaos through the last back half of the film can you just talk a bit about what you went through behind the scenes in order to bring that intensity to us you said you've, you've changed as a performer since that what was mm-hmm. it like going through it was it was it as grueling as it looked was it fun was it emotionally devastating to you to, to be at such high a level for that long and covered in all that stuff what what did that feel like in the moment yeah i mean it's like wild to show up on set like lee cronin asked me he's like what's your biggest fear and i'm like that this movie's one long moment man <laughs> that i wear the same costume every day and we get through tiny bits bit by bit and yet it's the same adrenaline moment like you know there's a point in the movie where like none of the characters heart rates really drop below like 180 beats a yeah. minute it was like how to keep up this adrenaline with like kind of just crying really which happened every now and then you'd be like don't worry everyone it's just my nervous system things i'm actually dying um but yeah and then also you read 20 pages in a script of covered in blood comes out elevator it's like two weeks and then you end up covered in blood for six weeks and the blood sticks and you have to sit in it for 12 hours a day you arrive in the dark you leave in the dark it's shot in studio blacked out the whole film's at night so after a while like there's this just like even light deprivation that you're just like, this is bizarre. But the crew, and when you're on an Evil Dead film, it's just like horror just brings the most epic collaboration. Like it feels like this, like how many legged races of departments, like being an actor is almost like the least one of the, like it's further down the food chain of what needs to be executed for it to work. It's like you can do a great performance, but the gag doesn't work or the elevator doesn't, you know, it doesn't work with the camera shots. It looks fake. So it's just like, you're just all in this like ready, steady, go like mentality, which is just like, it was, it's wild. It's grueling. There were moments where I'd wake up like having nightmares for sure. Sure. Just, you're just, or wake up like clenching my jaw most nights or just being like, or waking up and being like, I'm going to sit now and pretend you're going to die for 12 hours. And, and horror is all about people telling you, you know, as a 
person on screen, like you don't scare me or I don't believe you. And going in with that, when you're making it, you're like, fuck, I really have to fucking embody this to a degree because everyone's there to call bullshit. Mm-hmm. Everyone's there to be like, fuck off. I don't believe that. Or like, God, she's annoying now. Do it like in this state of, you know, intense fear always. Right, right. So it's, yeah, it's a wild genre. Uh, they just uh, to to finish the the Evil Dead uh, part of this conversation. They just announced today uh, that um, Sebastian Vanacek has been hired to direct an Evil Dead spinoff movie. And I was just wondering. I mean, fans have talked about this as well of maybe having Beth and Mia from from Fetty's 2013 version do a crossover. What kind of story do you feel is still left to tell with Beth, and and how might she might fit into all this? Do you think? Oh, man. It's also like when you do think of the Evil Dead films where you can go into, like, say, Army of Darkness, where you're like, there's just no rules to this fucking universe, yeah. which I damn love. You're like, how, what should we chuck in the blender for the next, for the next um, installment? So I'm like, it could go anywhere. It could be from the demonic baby is, bo- is born and ripping open the stomach. It could be like, there's just so many for that um, that you could play with. Because also leaving, you always just wonder. What do you do when you leave with the chainsaw and you walk out onto like a main road and then have to explain the Evil Dead experience of the Necronomicon happening to you? It's, a, it's the best part of the franchise, I tell you. It's so it's so funny. <laughs> you never know what'll happen. What was it no. like? For, what was it like for you taking both those films to South by Southwest at the same time, Monolith and Evil Dead? Right, you brought both of them there. So crazy. So, and I was talking to the programmer, and he was like, "I just didn't even realize that." He's like that you I didn't put two and two together he's like I just loved monolith separate had I knew it definitely would have a life at South by and then he's like it, it was until like not just long after that he was locking it in that he was like holy fuck that's the same person um which was nice to know monolith got itself there on its own merit because it was a totally you know it's five hundred thousand dollar film shot in months and that's what South by Southwest is so amazing yeah. for where you're like the, the array of film and the array of like you know the melting pot of multimedia and like different formats and mediums is just so cool but having the two films like going to like you know the fabulous cinema in Austin where you're just like everyone is just there to watch a hot like evil dead installment and yelling it felt like a fucking rock opera like you were just like i got to like yell and like enjoy myself that i've never experienced before whereas like and then you go to a screen like monolith at south by and you're just like this is a total different experience but amazing that both can, can be at a festival like that it's so, so cool. monolith has this very interesting backstory you said it's a micro budget shot in like 15 days and it started with something called mm-hmm. film lab uh, which i'm not very familiar with Maybe you can talk a little bit about that, but also this astonishing script by Lu- uh, Lucy Campbell and a first-time feature director in, in Matt Vesely. Tell us about what you know about the backstory of how this film came to be and kind of walk us through your path towards it. Yeah, so basically this program um, fosters young and up-and-coming up creatives, gives them a really hectic schedule and almost like the impossible of like $500,000 you have 15 days and now you develop the film from that. So it's really great in a sense that like you don't have the idea and then you have to go fit the bit, the film, the high conceptual piece into the budget. You grow from Got the roots it. of that, but roots of the, 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 the box that you're in. And like, so when, as soon as I read Lucy's script, it's like, I've never not changed any dialogue ever before. Like I just, it was written so tightly and Matt Vesley, like the edit was in the script. So I'm like, if you are going to sign on to something that could totally like expose you as a 
<laughs> like being in a film alone for an hour and a half. Um, when the director just lives in the edit, which Matt does, and again, they weren't fitting the film into the budget. They grew it from that. And it was so apparent when I read it and like, I'm just all about telling stories and it's like audio based. And like, you think people can listen to a podcast and I'm like, well, it's a great idea with that budget because they had to all pitch and only one team got chosen basically. And yeah, I just read it and I was like, I'm terrified. I should probably walk towards the fear, I guess. And um, yeah, this could make or break me. That's good. <laughs> yeah, the main thing I loved about Monolith is your performance and all the nuances and reactions in your facial and body expressions. How was this achieved during uh, production? Were you reading lines with someone on set or were you left alone to act out the various conversations? Yeah, so basically we had Ansuya, um, who is an actor who read all the voices. They hadn't all been cast, slash they couldn't afford to have people to come in and do it. But I still had the noise-canceling headphones, the audio being fed through. She was at the other end of the giant mansion in one of the walk-in wardrobes. And, um, yeah, it was one of the most wild things to remove, like, other bodies and other eyes and people and it's like to just go audio and listen to someone's voice for 12 hours a day not turn around on another actor it was amazing how like when you strip away other senses how like intense your imagination becomes and um yeah and also just the weirdest psychedelic thing where you're like listening to voices you're hearing their story then you're kind of seeing that story in your head. You're emoting to a camera, but not looking at it ever. That camera is not there recording yourself. Like it just became this weird melting pot of like of, of immersion and oddness. At some points I had like snow vision. Like I was just kind of like what, or like static. It was just, it was an experience like no other. There were moments that I was absolutely having a terrible time and just being like, this is the part where you should turn around another actor because I'm feeling so insecure and so vulnerable, but it, everything was just in this micro and this like heady just buzz and hum. The Boo Crew will be right back. Stephen King, author of Carrie Said, Evil Dead is the most ferociously original horror film of the year. If you think he's kidding, see for yourself. Evil Dead, they got up on the wrong side of the grave. Evil Dead, from New Line Cinema. Starts tomorrow at these theaters. Check newspapers for times. aware were you of the physicality that you're bringing to this? Were you consciously thinking like, okay, like how do, how do I look? How should I react? Did you choreograph it a little beforehand or film yourself or look in a mirror and seeing how did, did it go that far? Or did you just kind of get in there, let it all wash away and just find yourself in the moment? The blessing of a 15 day shoot. There is no time to think you're just like, okay, so we're just shooting this in one setup and then maybe we'll do a micro of like the, the headphones so we can just cut into change if you're a bit shit in one of the takes. And I'm like, cool. Um, and even like, you know, um, I had to learn it like theater, which was interesting because it was just every day was like 15 pages of dialogue. Evil Dead, we'd cover like half yeah. a page. <laughs> 
you know, when you're pulling off those bigger gags. So this was all just super dialogue based and like, um, yeah, I mean, it's funny that even with like, from what I learned from Evil Dead, it's like, the dancing side of it, it still applied. Like I would still be doing push-ups or letting out weird sounds. And then just to create this like thrush, like rush of like energy through my body and to like create a, like that alertness in your eyes. Cause after a while, like it's like your soul disappears. You're just like, how do I get present here? Which is so such an interesting thing try, to try to manipulate and be filmed doing. But yeah, it became, it became so physical. Um, and by the end, again, the chronological order, and the manicness that like your nervous system kind of goes through. But I kind of felt like I was going through yeah. that by the end. I was like, get that f-ing camera off me, sure. man. Don't <laughs> film me anymore. Another thing that did that, I'm sure to you, is that that it takes place in that single location. And in this case, it's a really stunning house. The color palette, where mm-hmm. it sits in, in nature and the isolation of it all really helps not only tell the story of your character, but immerses us in sort of this eerie state of isolation that amplifies everything that you're going through in the movie for us. What is the deal with this house? Where does it exist in the world? Uh, you know, what, what yeah. sort of effect do you find that that location in particular had on you as a storyteller? Mm, it was, well, it was like the other lead really. And it was also the way that we could play with the suspense. It was like to have not another person to dance with that's affecting you. It's like the actual house became this crucial key piece that we needed to utilize as though it was like another person. It was something to be reactive mm. to, like feeling that action. And before takes, Matt Vesley would just like leave me in the room and the crew would all leave and then like slowly enter in. And then as soon as like, so I would just sit in that silence and really feel what that felt like. Um, before takes and then I just sort of cue myself once I felt like I forgot everyone was kind of there um and then at one point I was supposed I could have stayed on set and lived there but I was like I think I draw the line where like I don't have a character name I'm filmed for 12 hours a day I'm in this giant mansion I sleep in it and then the crew are like morning and then they start filming again I'm like I don't I think that's I just went back to my cottage with a fire and rock myself and would like burn the pages that I got through oh that day God. and been like, you can forget those words. They don't exist anymore. You and the turtle sitting beside you. <laughs> totally. Oh, stealing the scene left, right and center. Also just fucking love the comedy of that house. Like to actually, it was so high tech, like heated floors, all the automated doors. When you turned on one light, it turned on, you know, the nightmare in hotels. You yeah. can't figure out how to turn the lights off. Like, the whole house is that. And there'll be moments where we're like, I guess this is now a funny part in the script where she's trying to get away and escape the house and she has to wait for that ordinary <laughs> bougie-ass door. <laughs> this was a bougie thing. Like, now this is like <laughs> How about any time that you're on a computer of what you're doing throughout the whole thing or you're milling about in a screen or clicking a tab here and things happen on, on the screen? Are you doing that in real time or is that all VFX? Because I ask you, in real time, I, like, are things not opening? Does it fuck up a take? Like, yeah. I'm staring at thing. I'm staring at these like weird like green screen things that they'll just be able to put it all in. So at one point I've never felt more like a fraud, like even being on this podcast now, I'm just like, well, podcast? I've never been on a podcast. Oh my God. And I'm like, just pretending to lie. I'm like, never have I been more moments of like deep, uh, fraud and imposter syndrome when you're pretending to type and you're staring <laughs> yeah. at nothing, reading, it's not there. And you're like, I feel like a wanker. 
please don't stay on my bed. That's incredible. I mean, you pulled it off in space because it looked convincing as hell. Well, I'm going, Matt would be like, okay, really, you're now doing this and you're now doing that. You're looking at that and you'll be minimizing. And I'm like, so when he's doing close up to my face, he would just go over the top just because they needed the grabs. And he'd be like, and now you're doing this. I'd be like, Whoa. Oh see, God, I see that bro. just as hard as Evil yeah. Dead in a, just t- the totally opposite direction, you know? Over <laughs> yeah. time. My life was so much like yeah. Evil Dead. Evil Dead was like, it was it was a walk in the park compared to my life. I loved how this film worked as an auditory experience, and they had the calls, kind of the way they go from in phone to in person, and you got the camera exploring these lim- liminal spaces, and you force the audience to explore the visions with the camera. It's really scary because we feel like we're being pulled into it. We can't turn away as it's turning a corner into a bathroom or whatever. And even, even the, 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 the hypnotic kind of camera shots of the sound waves uh, that, that are recording, it's really immersive to, to be a part of as an audience member. How much did you know about what that cinematic language would look like at time of filming and after seeing the completed work, what did you enjoy about the personality of the camera through this thing? Yeah. I mean, like I knew and hoped that there were there, those elements because they are all the elements that are going to save my ass if I'm not very good at this movie. Um, so I had this hope, but like, again, I wasn't there those days. I definitely took my day off when I could, when they were shooting those other exteriors. Um, but that was really the feast that you don't, for me, uh, from my acting point of view, I just had to follow this real ick of this person that just hates themselves, that is crawling to like for redemption and just happy to, you know, exploit other people's stories and manipulate it. And it's like, you know, that yuck feeling of existing online and, and putting yourself out there and creating this brand for yourself. And you just know it's yuck. So I was just sitting in that yuck, like that's all I could do in that regards. And then, and then, like to watch the film, it was just so great to see all those elements that I knew. Again, I go back to collaboration, where it's like it's not about him and her or whatever, and this boyfriend girlfriend argument. It's you two, and it's chemistry. It's da da da. It's like this is all the beautiful elements of every department that have to think outside of the box. So, like for me, when I got to watch Monolith awful as it was to just watch myself for that long it was not fun i uh, not i had to have a few tequila shots but like usually you judge your performance on like oh the other cast are great if i think they're great then i must be okay you know whereas it's just you so those elements i got to really watch the things that i read in the script sing and, and watch new ideas birth and and problem solve and just like yeah the audio feast that you know, outside of my yeah. absolute including a big part of that was that this beautiful score by Benjamin Speed doing just <laughs> incredible sound design. And it's very, very unique to this movie. I haven't heard anything like it for you to experience mm-hmm. the film with that for the first time. What did you feel that that brought out? Um, maybe even in your performance that you didn't anticipate and just seeing that whole feast of what that, that made everything feel like. Yeah, I feel like there's just, I love a tight edit. I love rhythm. I love like bold choices. I'm like, I love playing with soundscapes that kind of move you in and out of like listening to the person and then also giving you permission to stop listening to me for a second, you know, where you're like, uh, when you feel like the score really manipulates you and you have this kind of like peace that you have to find space within this like tight script that's just quite direct in one in one role, you know? 
Yeah, I don't know. It just, it was beautiful. And like also to think when they, you know, takes how long to make a movie and this was all like made 15 days and then the edit was like six to eight months, not even. And that score to come from it, I was just like, sometimes I'm like, it's kind of amazing what people can do when you don't have all of this, this room where you just get to go on instinct and gut and do make weirder choices, but not have time to question yeah. them. That's what I felt like. Monolith as a whole was just, there's no time. Like you just have to go gut, 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 gut and be like, yeah all those decisions ended up making it huge you never i didn't know what the but i had no idea concept of budget until after the fact but it you know it looked like a huge budget movie i mean it's beautiful it's huge yeah i'm um, just very very curious where do you stand on the whole ufo uap or high strangeness phenomenon are you are you a believer I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm just also like, it's so boring to imagine not. Like, what's the opposite? You're like, it's just us, only us. And how interesting are we? I'm like, not fucking that interesting, man. We got no telekinesis. We got no special (laughs) powers. We got nothing. Like, gravity is a wild thing. Gravitation pulls. You're like, as if something else weird has a birth somewhere else, you know? I hope so, you know? I don't have any, like, hectic theories or have people with intense stories but like yeah we're a we're a tiny little freckle in them you know sissy space <laughs> yeah. you guys you guys have uh you guys have your own personal hero there uh in your country ross coltart the, the reporter i don't know if you follow him uh but he does the best it is the best reporting on this like it gives you the ins and outs the background everything so if you ever want to dig deep definitely follow oh, him oh my god great so at this point i mean i, I want to make a, a spoiler warning for anyone listening if you're listening to this have not seen monolith thanks for joining us come back here and continue after you've seen the movie a little pregnant pause all right so that said how in the hell did you do the scene where you passed the brick? We're like, the <laughs> like entity of narcissism, I like to call it. I was like, this is my baby narcissism. Um, but it was, it was so gross. So basically it was this rig that had a mouth guard that you would push. Then there was a space. So the mouth guard would go to the back of your jaw. And then there was like, really like a retractable yeah. knife. So like, Instead, it's like there's a space in the black brick that was made of I don't even know what. And then you would push it into the mouth. So then it would retract. And so then I would have it. It would be in the back of my mouth, full to the back. And then I would slowly let it retract out of my mouth. And then they would CGI, the only little bit of CGI that um, then they would fill in that gap. And then it would just slowly come out. And then that was what that was. And we did it far too many times. And Matt, the director, had such a bad, like, anytime he heard, like, me pretend to vomit or gag, he would just actually, he had, like, an empathy, he was an empathy oh, gagger. Oh, really? He was, like, dry heave? <laughs> yeah, and he had to be in another room because he kept interfering with the, with the oh, audio no. recording. Shut the fuck up, Matt. He's like, great <laughs> thing. It was so gross. And, like, when he was like filming, he's like, okay, little like, and imagining this, this brick forming in my stomach. I'm like, what does that look like? What does it feel like? Is it pushing organs out of the way? What's happening? What visualization? Because now I have to embody this shit and pretend this is happening. 
And I loved the moment where I was like, okay, it's like heartburn, really yeah. bad chest pain. It's like pushing your esophagus, like all sorts. And then he's like, okay, Lil, I now want you to reach into your mouth and you can feel the four corners of the brick in the back, like back of your throat. Like your whole throat is full of this <laughs> and it's scratching the sides of your like throat. And I'm like, what? What? So but so good. Full hand in mouth pretending to feel it it was just it was, it was so, so awesome to see <laughs> i tell you it paid off it paid off really well did you get to keep a brick did anyone take home these bricks a brick i actually didn't want bricks to be honest you get to a point where you're like i was really? shit what about again. evil dead did you take the chainsaw or anything yeah they kept some from that i took my jewelry i took my prosthetic hand where i get stabbed because i have to give you your body parts back which is hilarious what else did i take i actually Take much, which I'm really sad about, to be honest. But I just always keep character sure, stuff. Sure, sure. No, that makes sense. And then also the other messed up scene was like when you when I duplicate yes. the entity is formed. I just channeled as well. Like you know when the, you know when she walks around the corner, you hear all the cracking of the bones. That's a plate, obviously, that you insert. But when I walk out, sit down, hear the cracking of the bones, this is all one take. Walk back in, go around the corner. And then that neck thing, which we didn't have any more money in the budget for CGI anymore. So it was like, I just was like getting my inspiration from the turtle. <laughs> and I was just like, what about if I do this? And Matt was like, your neck is so weird, dude. <laughs> and then he fast forwarded out like it snapped. But really, that's just all me doing that. And I was like, that's yuck. People were like, really cool effect for that. I was like, that's just my weird neck, man. <laughs> and then like all being in one take, shoot the reveal, follow me back down. I, I sit down, oh no, I walk past, grab the the um, recorder, and then as I'm grabbing it, that's a body double grabbing it. Then I run around wow. the camera, sit the fuck up, relax my whole face. So then we get continuity of the hair, continuity of everything, because we can't afford to do a million shots. So we were like, I run, relax, come entity, and then it's the double over, over that shoulder. And I'm within the same, you know, 45 second frame. I'm, I'm just playing both. That parts. is crazy. It sounds so complicated. It. I'm like, how do you, how do you, how do you get used to doing those kind of maneuvers and being able to stay in character throughout the, the wild choreography of actually making like the mechanics of it all happen? Totally. And then the fear when one of you is going to fuck it up, like Michael Tassari, like the DOP would be like, we'd be so close. I'd be fucking nailing it. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, let's go. And then I like in my head and then he's just like, sorry guys. And everyone would be like, try not to sound disappointed. And you just know you'd let everyone down. We only had like maybe time to do two more of them. And we were like, it's okay, everyone. Like team meeting. We were like, come on, we've got this man. Everyone's how much, how much up, responsibility is that on the director to help you get back to where you need to be and what they say or is or is it all on you oh like at that point we were so in the trenches of it and like very like game facey um and also just having fun as well but like yeah it was sometimes at one point i was like because the whole idea is to create the entity wise that you're like it's almost like newly formed mm. that like the muscle and the ligament and then things haven't all formed. Like, it's just like this little, like, soft, like, baby face that can't, like, start emulating human emotion yet physically. So I'd just be, like, try to, like, wash my hands over my face with it and not laugh because as soon as you laugh, yeah. everything just tenses up. Slap this one from being scared. So that's tight jaw. That's, like, hyperventilating, tense body. And then you're like, now I'm going to go to being Play-Doh. <laughs> it's- you just make it up and you realize acting is a bit bullshit really, isn't it? And you're like, 
just as as far as like a voice a vocal performance is there anything that you differ yeah. it differed in your approach as far as like building the voice of the interviewer that you wouldn't normally do in your everyday speaking voice was there a, a intonation that you wanted to convey or, or how did you kind of build her voice yeah i mean like i was yarning with a um a podcaster slash journo um who you know when she was talking to me completely different and then then she talked about asking interviewing people and just having like questions where you're just in this state of like trying to open yeah. up people which was really interesting not interject too much i'm sure you guys would know this where you like let people talk but then also guide in a certain way to kind of keep it flowing so there's this level of listening, but then this level of like looking down bird's eye view on a conversation and, and then also thinking. So you're like connected, but not. It's like, which I found really interesting. And also like you're talking into people's ears and you're telling them a story. So I just found, I was just like, oh, like what level would you want to talk in? Or what like, you know, how much do people want to feel like the eeriness? So it was like interviews different open accessible until she wasn't until she was done with them so it's like it was such a funny little um just more manipulative and more transparent than i've ever played before because everyone's always trying to get what they want every character has got something that they're trying to go for it's a normal thing list or someone who you know is creating a podcast and doing a certain voice to entertain it was like playing someone so transparent like that was was interesting and having to definitely alter your voice so at this point what do we have to look forward to after this comes out in uh, on February 16th? Well, now it's like after that goddamn writers and actors yeah, strike. Right? Thank God that's over. Uh, now kicking off again. There's a few things in the pipeline which are exciting, uh, but nothing like understood. Understood. Sucks. That keeps us uh, excited. Until you sign that piece of paper and until you're dressed up as someone else and being called someone else's name. Um, well, here's yeah. here's what we'll wrap things up oh, then. Uh, Lily, it's been sincerely an absolute pleasure. We are tremendous fans. Yes. And uh, Monolith is in theaters in VOD February 16th, and it is spectacular. We don't know what else to say. It's amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat, yes. Lily. And as always, we, we can't wait for what's next. So good yawning. So okay. good yawning. We'll talk again Thanks soon. And that was that, your Boo Crew Podcast, episode 414. Thanks to our guest, Lily Sullivan, at time of release, Monolith. It's in theaters and VOD February 16th. Production tracks for this one provided by the great folks at Power Man 5000. Till next time, on behalf of myself, Trevor, Lauren, and Leo, it is your Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Tales from the Boo Crew. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew, horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy, or disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.